Hello and welcome to Friday's Team Bosses press conference ahead of the Azerbaijan Grand Prix. We are joined today by Otmar Safanauer of Racing Point, Christian Horner of Red Bull, Toto Wolff of Mercedes, Cyril Abitable of Renault and Claire Williams of Williams. Um, Claire, if we can start with you and the incident in FP1, um, what's your reaction and what's the state of the car? I knew you were going to start with me. Um, my reaction is um, probably not a surprising one. I'm pretty annoyed. Um, however, I think, you know, we've had it explained to us the circumstances around the manhole and what's happened. Um, I don't necessarily believe it's probably anybody's fault. Um, but still, it's, it's pretty disappointing for us. It just seems like it, um, one thing after another for our team at the moment. Um, however, it's happened. We've got to repair the damage. Our chassis is cracked, so we've got to revert to chassis three. The floor is a write-off, um, and uh, we've got some other small bits of damage around the car. So the guys are obviously working pretty hard to make sure that um, we deploy chassis three. We clearly won't get out for P2, um, and George will just have to get all his learnings in tomorrow. As you touched on, it's been a difficult season for Williams so far, but you drafted Patrick Head back into the fold on a short-term consultancy basis. What impact has he had so far, and what's the plan going forward to turn around your fortunes? Yeah, so ahead of this weekend, I was kind of feeling there was a bit of a light at the end of the tunnel, and then this happens this morning, but I'm not going to worry too much about that. Um, it's one of those things. So Patrick coming in, obviously, um, you know, for us, it's a great thing. He's acting as a, a guide for our team of engineers um, at the moment, just making sure that they're doing everything that they should be doing. Um, you know, we haven't had the best year. Clearly, everybody has seen that. It started um, with not um, getting our chassis to testing. Um, and we've had to really play catch up off the back of that. So we are now in a position when we have all our race quantities, we have the quality on the race, those race quantities that we needed. And now we're looking to bring the upgrades that have literally been sitting on a shelf as we've cleared the backlog out of manufacturing. So. There is some light at the end of the tunnel. I think China demonstrated that we've brought a little bit of performance to the car, but we're still far too far behind the ninth place team at the moment. But we're doing a lot of work back at Williams. I think if anyone thinks that we're just hoping for a miracle or that things will just go our way at some point, um, that's not the case. A lot of work has been going on to make sure that we put ourselves in the right position. Obviously, Patrick is playing a role in that as well. Thank you, Claire. Um, Otmar, if we could come to you next. Uh, Baku's been a pretty good hunting ground for you in the past, and you've scored points in each of the three races this year. What are your expectations looking ahead to this weekend? Well, we hope that uh, we're a bit more competitive here than we have been in the first three races, but uh, we, we've, we've managed to score points in every one, which is good, and we want to continue that trend and, and maybe pick up a little bit more than we have uh, in, in the first three. The midfield battles, once again, are close closely fought affair what have you made of that battle and how hard is it going to be for you guys to get on top well it's uh, I believe this year even tighter than uh, years past and uh, for us to get on top means we have to do everything right you know uh, the margins are smaller so pit stops have to be quick and uh, and, and precise uh, the drivers have to do a great job in qualifying in the race you know it's just all the details you have to get right if the margins are that uh, tight then the little details matter even more and you've had fresh investment in the team for this year. Can you talk about a little bit about the developments that are coming and the updates that we can expect from Racing Point? Well, that's the other thing. Uh, you know, we had a big regulation change, so the way I view this year and, and probably next as well, it's going to be a development race. And the fact that we have funding now to, to bring the developments to the car uh, as quickly as uh, our internal procedures will allow is a big benefit. So we won't be hampered by uh, not having the funds to actually 
by the component. So that will be a benefit. But uh, the, the, the real issue is uh, uh, bringing developments to the car that uh, make a performance uh, enhancement, a performance difference, and that's what we're focusing on doing. Perfect. Thank you very much, Otmar. Christian, if we could come to you next. Um, Honda have brought a, a, an updated engine to Azerbaijan this weekend. How impressed have you been with their reliability and performance so far, and how encouraged are you about what to expect for the rest of the year? Well, so far, um, the engines run absolutely problem-free throughout testing, throughout uh, all the races to date. So uh, this uh, engine has been introduced based on a, uh, an issue they saw with the Toro Rosso engine, but it also enables us to run uh, you know, slightly more aggressive modes in the race as well. So, um, yeah, it's been hugely impressive, the, uh, the effort and, uh, you know, quality of stuff that's coming through from Honda. Red Bulls took four wins last year. How optimistic are you that you can add to that tally this year? Well, I think, you know, trying to uh, specify an amount of wins is always going to be extremely difficult. Our goal is to converge to where, you know, the current benchmark is, which is currently Mercedes. And uh, uh, I think we're doing that. Um, obviously, we grabbed uh, some opportunities opportunistic opportunities last year um, and by the end of the year we had a car that was genuinely capable of winning on uh, you know on, on merit of its own and wasn't circuit specific so um, you know the whole team's focused very hard on getting development through onto the chassis um, obviously engine bits are coming through as well so it's a long season we're at race three uh, we've done three races we're at race four obviously now and uh, we're confident that hopefully we can continue to, to close that gap to, to Mercedes and Ferrari ahead. And then just a quick word on Pierre. It's obviously been a difficult start to life at Red Bull, but he seems to be getting more comfortable with the car. What, where is he struggling in particular, and what can the team do as, to help him get on top of those issues? He, he had a, a tough pre-season, you know, two incidents in the pre-season, put him on the back foot, and uh, also probably, you know, confidence-wise as well. But each Grand Prix that we've been through so far, you know, he's, he's got stronger and stronger, and... Uh, I think China will take you know, quite a bit of confidence from you know, getting the fastest lap at the end of the race there as well. Um, and yeah, I think just more, more seat time uh, is, is extremely beneficial to him. And uh, as we come back to circuits that he's more and more familiar with, um, I think we'll see him you know, make, uh, make significant further progress. Thank you, Christian. Um, Cyril, if we could come to you. Um, Renault are really positive ahead of this season. Um, it's then been a difficult few races for you. Um, how would you assess how the opening three races have gone? Yeah, I think it's, uh, it's fair to say that it's not exactly the start of season we, we were uh, willing to have, we, uh, we've been working for. Having said that, I think it's important also to, uh, you know, to take a bit of distance of the emotion and of uh, the constant drama we live in for in Formula One. We are uh, already sitting P4 into the championship. Uh, we, it's a tight championship, but we are sitting P4 with only two cars finishing uh, out of the six cars that started in the, the season so far. So if with two cars we are capable of, of doing P4, that's an, an encouragement. Uh, last year we had to do everything extremely r right to, to, to be able to, uh, to secure that position, so I think it does say something about the steps that we've done. It's not enough, it's, ne it's never enough for sure. As a starting point, clearly, we need to, uh, to improve reliability of the engine. As you, you know, I've been very vocal over the winter about uh, the expectation, but also the ambition in terms of uh, power gain uh, on the engine. I think we've, uh, we've accomplished that. But by, in order to secure that, we had to, uh, on a number of occasions, to, uh, to fast track some of the internal processes. 
uh, because it's, uh, you know, it's a catch-22, it's running against time and sometimes also running against uh, limita limitation in resources. And clearly, every single time we, we could, we, we based our internal processes towards uh, performance. Um, so we are paying a little bit uh, for that season, but I hope that it's a short-term uh, pain for, for long-term gain. Uh, and on the, on the chassis side, I'm extremely uh, positive about, uh, about the, the rate of development, which is stronger than it has ever been, which is saying something about also the, the new Renault that we are starting to, to see in action. And then just a quick word on Daniel Ricciardo. He had a tough couple of opening races, but got on the board. How much of a relief was it to see him score points in China? Yeah, it's always good to, to, to score his first points, you know, uh, and sooner the better. But uh, uh, I think more important, he now has a car in which he has more confidence. Uh, at the first race in, in, in Melbourne, we, we finally had the capacity to understand what he wanted. We've made changes, we prioritized the changes that he wanted to, to have, in particular on the system that are related to drivers, so that he has more confidence in the, in the car not exactly yet to the level of competitiveness that, that we want, but so that he can attack and, uh, and wait for the upgrades to, to, to come and hopefully pay some dividends. <coughs> Thank you very much, Cyril. And Toto, thanks for waiting, um, and welcome back to the press conference again. I think that probably shows how successful Mercedes have been this year. Um, when you look back on those opening three races, um, how pleased are you with what's gone on and how much confidence does that give you going forward? First of all, it's always nice to be here. Um, it, uh, it was a great start. Uh, of the season. We had a difficult Barcelona testing where we started to understand um, how to set up the car towards the end of the test only and then we came to Melbourne and had a very positive surprise. That was met with, uh, with a little bit more um, scepticism than in the second race where clearly the Ferrari package was the, the quickest on track and uh, Charles, I think it's clear, would have won the race if it wouldn't have been for reliability. But reliability is part of the part of the equation and part of the perfor of, of performance. So we came back in, in China very strong and that is um, very pleasing, but uh, it's three races out of 21. It's very early and we mustn't be carried away with, with, a, with, with a great start. And a word on Lewis Hamilton, he was back to his dominant ways in China. How impressed have you been with him this year and the way that he just continually re-motivates himself? It's always impressive to look at sportsmen who have been very successful in the past, who have been setting benchmarks that they're always able to to start a new season very motivated and energized and uh, certainly the, the Lewis that I've seen was is in a is in a great place is eager to perform at the highest level and that is that is good for him and good for the team thank you very much um, we'll now open up the floor to questions please remember to give your name and publication for the transcript Scott Mitchell from Autosport. Claire, I know you've got more pressing short-term problems at the moment, um, but last week it was uh, it was reported that there was interest in serious investment in, in Williams from Dimitri Mazepin. Just wondered if you could clarify that situation with, with, with your position and uh, tell us whether or not the team is for sale. Yeah, I saw those stories. Um, I pay little attention to them. Um, I haven't met Mr. Mazepin um, to talk about that. Um, we had a brief conversation in the mid part of last year, but subsequent to that, there have been no conversations. Um, just like to be really categoric about it. Williams is not for sale. Um, I have no intention of putting Williams up um, for sale. I don't see why we would. I think certainly in times like this that the team is going through at the moment, these rumors always come up. Um, but you know, with a business head on, 
when your team isn't doing well, selling at this juncture wouldn't be the right time to do so. I think you would only investigate that opportunity if you're doing well, that's the right time to sell. But Williams is in this sport and has been for more than four decades. Um, and we've never wanted to sell. This is what we do. We don't have anything else to do. Um, so it is not on the market. I don't want to sell it to everybody. Um, I want to go out and prove that we can do what we're in this sport to do, and that's to get back on the podium and to win races again. And that may take us a long time, but it took Frank more than 10 years to do it um, when he first started in this sport. And I'm sure that we'll have a lot more stuff thrown our way, um, like we've had today, like we've had this year, like we had last year. But you don't give up when times get tough. Um, it's, I think, for me anyway, it's a test of your character to continue and to prove to everybody that you can do it. And that's certainly the belief that everybody has at Williams, that we can do this and we're not just going to give up because the moments have got a bit hard for us. Dieter Rankin, Racing Lines and Racefans.net. Claire, sorry to home on you again after the first question. However, there's been a, a report floating around about uh, gender pay gaps, and in this, Williams didn't come off particularly well. As the only female leader of a Formula One team, this was rather surprising. Have you, could you substantiate some of the comments, or where do we stand on that, please? Um, yeah, so another stick by which people are beating us with at the moment. Um, uh, for me, certainly, the regulations by which we have to report our gender pay gap, which we have to do now in the UK, are misleading, or they can bring about misleading results. I think certainly for me, um, the means by which you test how well you're doing to ensure gender equality within your business um, is firstly by the number of women you actually have. Um, year on year, we have more and more women coming and working in Williams, and I'm pleased to say not just the... Um, more female-dominated roles that we've had in motorsport in the past of admin and marketing. More women are coming up now in the engineering roles. We've got more women in our aerodynamics department, in vehicle design, development, etc. Um, but it's about how you support that talent as well. Um, we've just recently launched, about four months ago at the start of this year, a Women at Williams network. Um, I think we're probably the only team to do that. So it's about not only encouraging talent to come into our team, but it's about how you support them when they're there. And secondly, the most important number for me when we're looking at gender equality is how much you pay your female staff versus your male. And we went through a big analysis on this two years ago before we even had to report on gender pay. Um, and we made sure that every woman that was doing the same job as a man was paid the same amount as that male employee for doing that same job. And for me, those are the three greatest measures um, of gender equality within a business. And so I have absolutely no qualms knowing that the women in our organisation are treated on an equal standing as our men. Joel Godinaev, A question to Toto and Christian. Uh, Toto, you said after the Chinese Grand Prix that managing the two drivers quite be quite uh, tricky for Ferrari. Do you guys think that this could be an advantage for you? And as team bosses, um, how difficult to, to manage these kind of situations and how difficult to explain to the drivers uh, the different uh, circumstances and, and decisions? I mean, from my st standpoint, we've been quoted a lot um, about the Ferrari situation, and I don't think it's right. We are not in the right place um, to comment from the sideline what's happening within Ferrari. Uh, what I can say is that we have been in a situation with Nico and Lewis that was tricky to manage at times. 
and equally not easy with Valtteri and Lewis because two drivers that want to win races and have a, and um, uh, and do have the potential to win championships uh, that can be conflicting interests sometimes and you just need to talk about it and and it's not trivial it's a it's a it's a situation that certainly has an advantage for the teams for the team because drivers are pushing each other and extracting more performance out of the car but equally in, in, in managing personalities and strong characters is never trivial, whether it's drivers or engineers or um, managers in general. Yeah, I think that you know different teams have different philosophies. I think arguably having a very clearly defined number one, number two driver is, is almost easier to, to work with. Um, that isn't our philosophy at, at Red Bull. Um, you know, we uh, allow the drivers to race and sometimes that can be uncomfortable as we saw 12 months ago here in, in uh, Azerbaijan. But uh, you know, the f philosophy that we've always had is to give both guys the same opportunity and let them um, establish who is the lead driver on, on track. And I think so long as you have clear rules of engagement, then we've been, I would say, 90% successful with that. I think in, in three years that uh, certainly Max and, and Daniel raced to, with each other, there was only ever um, two incidents, which considering they were starting next to each other at 90% of the races is, uh, is, a, is a pretty decent ratio. But it, each team has its, its own philosophy. It doesn't make one right or one wrong. It's just unique to each team how they choose to go racing. Uh, Christian Nimmerfer from motorsporttotal.com. Um, Cyril and Christian, maybe we can create a little bit more fun for the Netflix people here. Um, I recently listened to Natalie Pinkham's podcast um, with Adrian Newey, and Adrian basically admitted to it being a bit of strategy, um, the criticism you did towards Renault in terms of A, um, making them invest more into the program, or B, making them exit altogether. Um, so I, I assume to get a new engine manufacturer. Um, Christian, do you want to put any more context to that one? Uh, and Cyril, obviously, asking for your comment too. Well, <laughs> I think um, I, I read with interest Adrian's comments about that, and I think what he's referring to is actually back in in 2015, where um, uh, you know we'd had several conversations. We'd been to Paris, we'd seen Carlos go, and we'd uh, you know presented what our our concerns you know were. And uh, I think by 2015, when the engine was arguably worse than it was in 2014, then um, frustration boiled over to the point that it was like, okay, well, you know, if, uh, if, if we are more open about what our frustrations are, maybe that will uh, force a reaction. Um, it didn't. <laughs> um, um, I can't even. I don't think you were even involved at that stage. Were you sorry? You were. I was just on my way back. Oh, on the way back. So, so, so good thing or bad thing, but. So Cyril um, came back into the full brunt of it. He did the team. Um, yeah. And uh, you were a customer the year before, so, uh, so, so yeah, it was, it was one of those things that you know you try every mechanism um, that you can to tr try and generate competitiveness, and, and and at that time it was felt that well maybe. You know, Renault couldn't possibly afford the embarrassment of, of these engines not being competitive and not being reliable and not delivering. Um, but, uh, yeah, it, uh, it unfortunately didn't work. Uh, how to respond? 
It was very good until the last word didn't work. Uh, no, no, I, th I think one, one thing we can give credit to Christian and Red Bull is that they are fantastic at communication strategy. And communication is part of this world, it's part of Formula One, it's part of uh, your strategy and your tactics. You know, it's not the first team, it's not the last team of uh, willing to, uh, you know, to, um, to use uh, all the weaponry of this world, including, frankly, you guys, uh, to uh, influence what's going on. I uh, was reading yesterday that Max is happy to take an engine penalty. Um, amazing. Um, you know, that's, that's, that's part of the world. That's part of the world, but I don't want, you know, to uh, lose f sight from the fact that indeed, and I would concur with Christian in, in relation to that, our, our engine was not at uh, the required level in 2014 and 2015. There are mitigating circumstances. You know, we were extremely uh, uh, happy, and uh, Renault has contributed of making Red Bull what it is today by winning uh, uh, four, four championships in a row from a financial perspective, with sponsors, from a technology perspective, with talent, recruitment. Red Bull is what it is today, thanks also to Renault. And uh, thank you for giving me that opportunity to, to say that. But then, later on, indeed, we, we, lost, uh, we lost a little bit the momentum and, uh, and sight of what was needed to be done for 2014 regulation. The rest is, uh, is history, and, uh, and we'll see what the future is, uh, is holding. Junior Bidiot, uh, the question to all five, please. What's the latest on uh, 2021 regulations? There was a big meeting one month ago, and uh, ever since we haven't heard much more. Do you have any more details? And generally, how pleased are you with the way uh, F1 is moving forward? Well, I, I, I think the, uh, uh, with, every, with every meeting, we iterate on what the regulations are going to look like. Uh, I believe there's a... There's a deadline of mid-year for something to be published, um, and I think we're getting closer now. Um, the FIA have asked the teams for feedback, which, uh, which we've given. There's still some uh, outstanding um, uh, issues on, uh, on some, some components that will either be supplied or not. Um, and when we know more information, I think we'll get closer to that. But mid-year, something should be published. Yeah, it feels like, like we're converging. There's still a few elephants in the room, but um, yeah, it feels generally like on, on all fronts where we are converging in, in the right direction. So hopefully, <coughs> you know, over the next few months, something can get, uh, can get sorted. Tate, do you have anything to add? Yeah, as Christian said, it's difficult because there is so many important balls in the air, be it the price fund redistribution or the cost cap, uh, technical and sporting regulations, and that is uh, uh, progressing slowly. Um, We'd like to have it done rather sooner than later. This is, the, I think, the joint objective of all stakeholders involved, the FIA, Formula One and the teams. Cyril? Nothing much to add, maybe just on, on timing. We, we really see uh, end of June as a deadline. That is a necessary deadline for the sport, for, for the OEM, for all teams really to know what, uh, what the future is, is holding and to start to make plans accordingly. And Claire, anything to add? Yeah, I, I would agree. I think the, um, the versions that FIA and FOM presented to us a few weeks ago, we were really pretty happy with. Um, and I know that there's a few things being discussed still at the moment um, to, to clarify, but we'd be very happy when they come out um, to sign them.
lionsandracefans.net. Um, further to my, my question to Claire earlier on about the gender pay gap, uh, how comfortable are you, are the, the other four teams, that you're actually fulfilling the moral obligations in this regard as well, not only the legislative ones? And then Christian, um, seeing you were asked to comment on, um, on Adrian's comments, uh, would you like to comment on, on Dr. Helmut Marko's comment that he didn't think that a woman driver was up to Formula One? <laughs> Um, well, so would you want to take the first question first on the gender pay gap? Uh, yeah, well, I, I, would, I, think, I think frankly it was extremely well put by, by Claire. There's little that I can add. I think those, those indicators are good because we live in a world of indicators, but they are purely quantitative and we are in a world that is much more, Formula One world, which is much more qualitative. Uh, statistics are, in terms of quantity, pool of resources is much uh, lower. I think really what matters is that for a given position, uh, there is uh, equality and parity of treatment for a given position, and that's basically the, the hurdle. As far as we're concerned, we are obviously very, very keen. We, uh, we grew up massively in terms of, of uh, resources. Uh, that's created opportunity to, uh, to attract uh, with equality. But also our, our executive committee, our management co committee is almost 50-50 between, uh, between men and women. So it's, uh, I think, uh, a clear demonstration that uh, we, we are very uh, uh, serious um, about that. And I will leave Christian to comment on uh, Dr. Marco's uh, point. Uh, Toto, do you want to give Mercedes' standpoint? Yeah, I think lots has been said. Um, uh, within Daimler, we have, uh, within the Daimler board, there is more female representation. And when you look at the motor racing side, Britta Sega, who is in, on the board for sales and marketing, and Bettina Fetzer for um, um, vice president for marketing, they were strongly behind us going into Formula E. And they are very, very engaged also. They are at Formula One very often, and, and they are there on merit. Um, and uh, the same, the same in small is in within the F1 team. I'm really happy to see that from the young young ones that are joining us. There's, um, it looks like the, the 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 proportion of young ladies is much higher than it was in the past. Being an engineer, technician, or a mechanic is more of a career route than it was in the past. Uh, as you know, my wife has, has done a, a program that was called Dare to be Different that has joined forces with DFA now in order to promote young women into the sport. So I'm the first one to, 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 to have seen how powerful that can be. And, uh, I, and I think uh, this will, this, the, the, the proportion of females in our organizations will grow or is growing um, as we speak. And that's good. Um, Omar, do you want to answer that question and we'll come back to well, at, at Racing Point and Force India before, uh, we, we don't really differentiate by, by gender at all. So we differentiate by the ability to do the job. Uh, and there are many, well not many, but there are a few departments that I can think of now where we have both men and women and they're led by women. And that's just because they're better at, at what they do. And I think if that's the philosophy, the the, pay, the gender pay gap should naturally uh, become, become zero. So that's how we go about things. And the only other thing I got to say is uh, there, in my household, there are more women than men. And, you know, you got to try to treat everybody like uh, you would want another boss to treat your daughter. So if, if that's the case, then uh, I think you get to the right place. And Christian, to, f to finish off, thanks for waiting and to deal with Dr. Marcus' comments as well. Well, as, as you all know, I'm all for girl power. Um, and uh, I think it's quite obvious that Claire should, should um, be paying herself significantly more than she obviously is. Um, but, uh, you know, again, within our team, 
somebody that performs a role, it's, it's irrelevant whether they're fe male or female. They're, they're, they're paid the same for the role that they perform. And we have some great engineers, um, you know, some great designers, some, some, some uh, you know, growing contingent and more and more females coming into the business, which is great to see. You know, well, quite often we have a, a strategist on the pit wall that's currently on maternity leave, you know, in, in key and prominent uh, positions. As far as uh, Helmut's comments are concerned, I think they were sort of off-the-record comments. I think they weren't, um, uh, you know, maybe they've been converted slightly. Um, but, you know, from a Red Bull perspective, uh, we'd be delighted to see, you know, more girls coming into the sport. We'd be delighted to see a girl get into Formula One and ideally be competitive. I think what he was alluding to is that there's nobody in a position to be competitive in Formula One at the moment. And I think what that needs is more girls to get involved at the grassroots to get involved, to go karting, and then there needs to be a bigger pool of them coming through the sport. And I think that way there will be more opportunities present themselves. There's obviously a, a Formula W category now that, that, that starts shortly. Um, but again, where will that lead on to? They need to, to be able to move on from there. So I think from a Red Bull perspective, we'd be totally in favour of seeing uh, you know, um, girls in motorsport come through. But I think it needs more involvement and to appeal more as a sport where girls can get involved at a, at a grassroots um, stage. Thank you, Christian. Rebecca Clancy, The Times, to Claire about practice earlier. I appreciate it's only a couple of hours old, but do you have an idea of the scale, the cost of the damage, and will you be seeking compensation as Haas did in Malaysia, well, when Grosjean hit a drain in Malaysia in 2017? Um, we obviously know what damage has occurred. Um, to actually quantify that cost, it's a little premature to do that. Um, but we will be doing it, um, and we will clearly be discussing that with the FIA. Christian Nimmerfall from motorsporttotal.com. Um, Toto and Cyril, the two of you came forward last year with a suggestion of, in terms of the race calendar, of probably doing less races rather than more. Um, the idea, I believe, being more exclusive events and probably promoters paying more. Cyril, you also mentioned something about being fresher. Um, maybe the two of you, or also anyone else who wants to comment, uh, can elaborate if that has gone any further and, and add your opinions to that idea. Toto, do you want to start? The balance you need to strike is between uh, understanding that Formula One is um, is a very aspirational and, and glamorous sport, and um, and uh, obviously less is less can be more. But equally, as a as a company, we want to grow our revenue, and uh, the the obvious revenue trigger is doing more races, and I think that. FYM is pretty clear that if, you're, if more races are being added to the calendar, they need to be a creative and they need, to, um, they need to make all the way down to the bottom line or be very attractive races, tapping new markets. And I think the mix at the moment and the discussions we're having is right. Cyril, have you got anything to add? No, I think it's uh, that balance between quantity, quality, being uh, aspirational, being something special, but still being capable of existing enough uh, in, uh, in this world where that is full of you know, content and uh, proposition in terms of sports properties. We need to make sure that we uh, defend our, the space that exists right now and the uh, 
media focus for, for Formula One. In the current business model, the only way to uh, grow the revenue indeed is to add up more, more races, or to at least to keep the, the current number. So if we really think that that needs to be changed in future, we need to change our business model such that we don't need to grow, to keep on growing the revenue. And that means reducing the cost, redu reducing the necessity to spend to be competitive. That's maybe one of the good, the positive regarding budget cap, maybe not for the next cycle, but maybe w one cycle from now have the ability to reduce that cost so that we can think a bit more strategically rather than uh, being a you know, slave of, uh, of, of revenues. Claire, how would it affect an independent team like Williams? Yeah, I agree with what Toto and Cyril have said around you know, striking a balance and you know, we want to go to maybe fewer because of the aspirational side of Formula One. I think you add more races and if you don't get that balance and we don't get the necessary income in for going to four or five extra races, the pressure that it puts on our teams, you know, our guys are already going around the world 21 times a year, plus the tests. You know, it's a long time to expect people to be away from home. And great if you're a team that can afford to have a support team or a support structure that you, you take personnel in and out, or if you've got a second race team that you can send around the world. But clearly for smaller independent teams, that's a much harder piece of work. And that just puts far too much pressure on the system, not just as well from a personnel perspective, um, but also from how many parts, additional parts we're going to have to manufacture, etc. So there's a whole series of considerations around it. Christian, have you got anything to add from Red Bull's point of view? Well, I think it's been pretty well summed up. I think what you have to appreciate that the Grand Prix weekend, not for us, but for the people down in the garage, is a week-long event. Um, and for many other functions that are involved, you know, in going to Grand Prix. So, you know, 21 is already a big ask. Going beyond that is you know, I feel that we're at tipping point. So you then have to look at the construction of a Grand Prix weekend. You know, do we need to do as much testing as we do? Um, the duration of the season, you know, all those factors and what impact it obviously has on cost and budget caps and, and so on. And is ultimately it going to make a better show? You know, a book can only have so many chapters. And what you want to make sure is that as many of those chapters are as entertaining as possible and it crescendos to something. What you don't want to have is, is, is saturation, and I think it's finding that, that balance of you know, what, is, what is the right number and what is the right construction of a Grand Prix weekend. And Otmar, Racing Point is obviously a team that's growing, new factories coming along. How does it affect your team? Well, the, uh, we, we, are, we are growing, and uh, uh, we're re recruiting now, and, uh, but, but not uh, at a pace where we take a half step backwards. So we've got to really be careful that... Uh, uh, the f new factory that's uh, being planned now, as as well as our our recruitment drive and some other things that are changing, don't affect the uh, performance uh, uh, in in the season. So that's a it's a it's a fine balance to strike, but uh, it's one that we're conscious of and uh, we're working hard to make sure we get right. No further questions. Thank you, everybody. Good luck this weekend. Uh, full transcript will be available on FIA.com shortly.